Hello, I'm Eagle, Eagle Gardens, Eagle Gardens 1 on Instagram, and this is fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 636. Hopefully you guys have had a great Tuesday. I've had a pretty good day myself. A little shocking at some points, but we'll talk about that at another point. In fact, we've got a great guest for us tonight. I'm looking forward to speaking with Sling Buzz. How are you doing, my friend? You want to tell us? How you doing and where we can find you? Mm-hmm. I got them bong heads. Mm-hmm. I'm uh, doing pretty good. You can find me on uh, Instagram under Sling Buzz. Uh, Sling Buzz Outlaw Bong Drags on Facebook. Sling Buzz on uh, YouTube. I've only got one video up on YouTube. I do most of my content on uh, Instagram. It's been my major uh, social platform, I guess, so to speak. I've been uh, bong racing for about, uh, you know, uh, instinctively we can talk real quick about the social medias, you know, I've been trying to spread my wings or at least uh, I'm a huge believer in at least uh, claiming your ground, basically. So whenever the social medias pop up, man, you should be quick to jump on and claim whatever. (laughs) <laughs> whatever name you're using at that point so nobody else can snag it at that point. So i kind of been trying to jump on the TikTok train because it's quickly becoming one of the quick fucking social media platforms. I'm like four posts in maybe, and I've already got my first community strike because <laughs> yeah. of cannabis. All it, No pictures of cannabis. It just said fucking talking shit with Eagle. It was tonight, your post. That one I put on Instagram with the, it's going to be a good day. Uh, All I said was fucking talking shit with Eagle, weed nerd. And (laughs) that was pretty much it. And they fucking pulled that shit and gave me a strike. I'm like, man, come on. We got to have a backup case of the IG goes down for real. And that's like with my my content, I did was... I did TikTok for a while and like I was getting strikes like because all my a lot of my content is is smoking content and as just TikTok does not is not very cannabis friendly. That's a hundred that's just it's been I think over a year since I did any TikToks. But I see everybody doing them now, and I see people doing them without the smoking and like doing more of uh, educational videos. And they're doing, I think they're doing a little bit better that way because you can still use the platform. You just kind of got to work with your ways around to the bylaws and regulations that they put up. And that's what I kind of thought as well. I would thought I was working around. I didn't show no pictures of cannabis or nothing like that. Yeah. Man, it's just, it's unfair. It really is how they treat cannabis uh, people. And it, it's just a plant that we've, we've had from the mother earth that's been given to us and everybody wants to try to regulate it. And it's, it's always really kind of been regulated. If you go back through history, 
they had all most of the wars were because of the hemp because of the, of the ship uh, the the sails being made for the ships because of the ropes being made for the ships and now it's just like they're still trying to regulate us of what we can do and our rights and our liberties are spread out on these social medias now Speaking of that, I'm going to medicate real quick. Please do. I'm trying to chop up some of mine as well. I've got some uh, little nugs of a tester plant here that I, I grew. It's a little uh, Maui soda pop. Oh, nice. Pretty nice. tasty. I have some apple fritter. What are you uh, smoking on over there? Some apple fritter. That's pretty. Really pretty. Yeah, that stuff kind of hits me right behind the eyes that apple fritter does. Well, I, I love it. Some of my some of my friends are like, oh, that that just that's a little too knocks me out a little too much. I'm like, oh, I need something that gives me that one-two punch. So smoking that out of a bong's gotta be even a harder hitter. Uh, I mean, usually when I'm like consuming cannabis out of a bong, it's usually more of a, a heady buzz for me anyway but when a strain like that something's already heavy behind the eyes anyway it's got to hit with a little more oomph i would think huh it, it does we had a we had a, a friendly like some friendly bong racing here uh, last week and was using the apple fritter to race with and after we got done racing everybody was like "Ooh, that's kind of has me a little knockout after smoking a gram of that Nice and medicated. So we might as well start this off right where we usually started off at. Uh, when and where did cannabis come into your life, if you don't mind sharing? Uh, when was the first time either you smoked or you uh, seen the plant? The first time I smoked was actually in Yokosuka or no yokohama japan i was in the uh in the service at the time and uh it was kind of a unique experience to have the first uh, time of smoking with one of the most illegal places to smoke because it was a life sentence if you were caught with it and uh it was the first time and after I got out of the service, it was more of uh, a way for me to medicate other than the pills that they were trying to put me on because they had I had a whole box full of medications that the VA was trying to put me on just to kind of cope with coming back to this to the real world and not dealing with all of the bullshit that I had to deal with. Kind of hard for me to talk about my military experience, but 
um, cannabis has changed, changed me from not needing that medication to where now I'm able to function and move around and do my daily life without, I think how the way to say it. without the problems that I had from back in the day. And since I guess I got out of the cannabis or got out of the military, started uh, smoking cannabis regularly. It was still kind of ragey back then. It was, I got out of the military in 04, still living in rural Missouri. And uh, I moved from there to Colorado in 2013 because it became illegal and I became a medical patient, started growing cannabis out there, uh, growing and trimming, getting my education, I guess, per, per se, in cannabis. Um, now I'm assistant manager at a grow here in Oklahoma City. That's kind of my short run of where I, how my life has moved throughout the cannabis world, like short and sweet. Too short and sweet, my friend. Too short and sweet. Too short. I've got all <laughs> kinds of stories in there. I mean, there's that's just how it, it's, it's changed my life. Um, throughout the Colorado experience, I've become uh, known about this event called Bongathon. It's the longest running cannabis smoking competition in the United States. It's been running since 1974. It's a uh, invitational only event where they smoke. It started off with being an ounce of cannabis. It's now like a quarter ounce of cannabis. It's the main event with yearly competition where we consume and see who the fastest bong smoker is. I've been competing since 2014. I now um, am the president of Outlaw Bong Drags, which is a smaller, uh, I guess, sub, sub chapter of, uh, we, we still support Bongathon. It's sort of like our main goal is like, we're like racing to like train ourselves to be part of Bongathon and we smoke so doing the seven grams, we do one gram races against each other. Or we do a heads up, see who the fastest is. Kind of like how you're racing cars. And that gives us training where we do less racing. Where if you win the race, then you move on to the next race. And then you, if you win on that race, you keep moving on and on and on. To see who the, the fastest is of the night. And it's been going, we've started this in 2018. It's now 2022. I have a chapter in Denver, Colorado. I have a Las Vegas chapter and now have a chapter in Oklahoma City. We've been doing um, long racing in other places. Uh, when we started the Outlaw Bong Drags, it was just a bunch of us people that had been to the Bongathon and some of us racers wanted to do more training during the year to get us better and 
some of the glass that you could win at these competitions are made from like uh, glass blowers like Berserker, Puke and Beagle, Dolby Glass. So it, the um, prizes are end up being worth about a $5,000 glass, $5,000 worth of glass. I've, um, I don't think what I can else I could think about the bong racing. Had to, we've been doing this so long. I, it's getting where more and more people want to bong race now. We started off with three people, and now, like I said, we've got three different chapters. But with the different chapters, the Denver chapter expanded out to different states. And like I, me and my wife moved here to Oklahoma. We have uh, another person in Virginia now trying to get some stuff going once they get legalization going there. Any questions, Eagle? Well, I'm curious on if somebody were interested in getting started or think they could hang out with somebody like you guys. Uh, where would they look? Is there an application? I mean, how would somebody get accepted into a, a chapter? If you want to get a hold of uh, Alcohol Bong Dragons, you can contact me at uh, Sling Buzz on Instagram. You can get a hold of us at outlawbongdrags at gmail.com. Also, look up outlawbongdrags.official on Facebook. And there's also a Outlaw Bong Drags, I believe, on YouTube as well. You could contact um, either one of those people, and we can get you situated where you could find the chapter that's near you or how we could associate or not associate how we can accommodate of getting some bong racing because we'll be, we're, we're down to race you anytime, anywhere. If you want to race your style, we can race your style. Or we just want to, we want to have some friendly competition and see who really is some of the bigger smokers because Colorado's always been having this since 1974. It's kind of more like a myth or legend. And we're wanting to really, Kind of, I'm out there looking for who actually are the big smokers out there who thinks they can hang. Smoking a gram is sometimes it looks easy until you get up there and actually put a gram of flour on the table, not not ground up, and you sit there and just say go and start grinding it up with your hands and packing it and smoking it with a big lighter, not a torch as fast as you can. And if you can do it in a minute and a half, minute and a half or under, you're doing pretty good. I think you can compete. Hit me up. So I guess the next thing I'm curious of is, uh, is rig size a factor? I mean, can you, <laughs> you, you balls enough to pull up a six footer? Is that allowed or? <laughs> Whatever, what we do is we have 
anything that you can fit a 14 millimeter, as long as you have a 14 millimeter bowl or down stem. It doesn't matter the size. This is like a 21 inch bone right here made by Chief Big Cloud Glass out of Colorado. Um, some people use straight tubes. Some people use um, beakers. It's whatever you feel comfortable with. Because when, when you get up to the race, you want something that you, you feel like you can sit there and take a big rip with. When we go to the bongathon, we never know what the bong is until we get there. Some years it may be a straight tube. Some years it may be like a beaker-sized tube. Um, some years it might even be those little curved ones at the top. It's got like a come up and I don't even know what they're called, but it's kind of like a tank and then like a curve at the top. They try to slow us down because the time, the current record for seven grams is four minutes and eight seconds. There's been the uh, last year's competition was a true singles event because they used to have a loader. Now they only have just the smoker who has to grind it up and load it all by himself. And last year's first place was nine minutes and 18 seconds for seven grams. What is uh, the record time? That was the record for the, the singles, the record for the, the seven grams is four minutes and eight seconds. The unofficial record that I got disqualified for was two minutes and 45 seconds, but I got disqualified because I did not smoke at all. I had too much green in the bong. But and that's for a quarter? That was for a quarter. Holy shit. That's some chiefing, man. <laughs> There's, it, oh, it, it some, there's some people out there, including like myself, that have been, we just can just get there and smoke and smoke and smoke and smoke. Give me a second and I'll actually do a quick demo. Right. Eh? So uh, <laughs> you say that you don't know what size uh, rig or what kind of rig you got when you come there. Do you know what strain you'll be smoking that evening? No, the, the main event at Bongathon starts at, at noon. Everybody will get, everybody will smoke the same strain. So will be in the same container. We, we don't know what strain it will be till we get there because it's sponsored. And they, they kind of keep it, uh, secret so that not all the so that all the competitors have the same advantage we don't want to give somebody a, a, a advantage of knowing what the strain is or knowing what the bong might look like so that some people out there get really competitive and be like oh well if i know what what strain it is and i'm going to practice on that strain or if i know what bong it is, and I want to get a bong that looks just like it and practice on that. So it it kind of, we try to keep it as spare and even as possible.
so I guess uh, what kind of what is your perfect or ideal kind of strain? What would you like seeing on sitting on the table <laughs> if you had your choice? I mean, if if I had my choice, I I I would prefer an old sour, a true sour diesel. That was like one of my favorite strains to smoke back in the day. It still is. It's kind of hard to find the true sour diesel that I remember from like 08, 09 that used to come out of Cali. It's like the sour diesels you see now, is, it seems like it's crossed over or watered down something. But yes, I would like a good dry sour diesel. Because the drier, it'd be able to grind up a little bit, be a little quicker to smoke. If it's wet and sticky, sometimes it's harder to smoke and it might clog. It's just so many different, I guess, things that come into how bong racing goes. Because every bowl is different. Every bong is different. Every person is different, but when you put the, the the medicine down there, and it's the same medicine, it might I'd say it's still going to get everybody the same medicated. People are just going to react to it differently. Oh, my mind works in funny ways and can be funny sometimes. So I can't help but ask, is it lonely at the top at the Bongathon? <laughs> yes, sir. Is everybody passed out at the end of that? And you're like, I don't know. <laughs> we had this year, we had um, two, two females finish this year. They both finished. I think it was a little over. 30 minutes. Um, one of them got a little overheated right there at the end. She needed some water and stuff. We had a, got her fresh air. She was good. But I don't, I haven't seen anyone pass out yet. No. I've seen people like tap out because when you're doing seven grams, it's like when you get to that four to five gram mark, your brain gets like, why am I still smoking? And it's what people call where you hit the wall where you don't want to smoke no more. And that's where a lot of people will just say, hey, I can't do it. I'm not going to compete. And it's just, it's a rush, I guess, after you finish the seven grams to say that you've been able to do it. It's, it's a feeling, a drooling rush that say, hey, I did it. I was able to do it. Even if you don't finish in the top three in place, that you still finish that seven grams, it's an accomplishment because there are not very many people can say that they can finish seven grams just, can, just smoking as fast as you want to. Especially through a bog. <laughs> especially through a bong that's oh man yeah bong kicks my ass anyway i just don't 
had the lungs for it anyway. But man, even in the good old days, that was my way of that was the ass kicker through that bomb. Right. They're definitely, they're definitely wanting to see your demo. All right, here's one gram. I'll switch the camera back around. <laughs> nice looking grain. At that, choose everybody in chat. Hey, Eagle, I'm gonna have you tell me when to go. Because when you say go, I'm gonna start grinding it up, packing the bowl, and smoking as fast as I can. All right, I'll get my timer ready. Yeah, that's a, that's what makes it even more impressive to me is the, the fact that the grind-up's in that time as well. Yes. All right, I'm ready. Here you go. Ready, set, go. Cheering you got it all too. Cleaning that plate. Done. So a minute and 40 seconds for that gram. Grinded and achieved from start to finish. Man, they gave me a little bit of the sweats. <laughs> Pretty impressive. Pretty impressive. My first time that I started it was two and a half minutes and i kind of fell in love with it because it was like oh this is something i've always 
bikes racing. I used to do mud racing back in Missouri. So I was like, oh, this is interesting. And a lot of, like my roommate one time was like, oh, I can do it. And he got to like half a gram in two and a half minutes. Because he didn't realize that you had to break it up yourself. Because a lot of that was the technique is the the way you grind it. It's different, different flowers um, are different consistencies in the moisture will break up and grind different. Just like if you have a, a grinder and you grind your weeds, sometimes you'll see it'll be a lot more fluffiness and sometimes it'll be almost just like uh, super dry. It's, it'd be like a little powder or something. And it's almost the same way like when you break up a bowl, you have to figure out, should I pack it too tight? Should I pack it a little looser? And sometimes you have to learn how to adjust with that on the fly a lot when you're doing ball racing. Because it's just like, like I said, it's almost like street racing. What, what, um, what kind of uh, speed am I going to put in it? What kind of uh, gas mixture or am I going to put in it like, like racing? So you're like, am I going to grind it up like this? Am I going to grind it with my fingers? It's, it's sometimes it could be a hit and a miss because even some of us best racers out there have messed up on that first round and be like, oh man, I should have ground it up a little bit different. And that's why we do with outlaw ball drags is that we try different flowers so that we can get, that's also like a more training with us to get used to those different techniques of different practice. And practice, like everybody, I was always told practice makes perfect. So I, I like to try the different flowers. I like to try how they smoke. Does it, is it gonna ash? Is it gonna burn smooth? Is it, is it gonna make me cough when I'm in the middle of a bong hit? It, is it gonna taste good? It, a lot of that comes into consideration, but then you also have to think that if you're in the middle of a race and it's, it doesn't taste good and then you start coughing then you might lose. So you have to like get your mind power of like, ooh, I gotta get over that that threshold that that bad taste is not only gonna last until I get through this this gram. Yeah, I can see how a bad grind could slow or sway you. You get you a nice sticky weed and you kind of, like you said, kind of give it one of these and you've almost turned it into like a hash ball. <laughs> I'd see that being a nice slow burner, like kind of, as you said there. Makes sure. sense. Sometimes like you do that and it might just turn into a powder too. And then oh, that's why I like, I kind of like got the technique where I like to do the, the twist and, and turn a little bit. Or sometimes I just like to throw the whole nug in there. It just depends on how the consistency is. If the buds where it's gonna be, where it's gonna burn good, and you pack it, then just keep the flame on it and just keep puffing. So is 
another tip I I think I've seen there is is it better to add a little bit at a time or is it nice better to add a nice pack at that first beginning and try to just kind of chief on that bitch? It's you don't want to pack it too tight because if you pack it too tight, it's like sitting there like I guess like what I call the old those remember those old metal bowls that you couldn't hardly put get anything in there and after a while it just be clogged and you're sitting there trying to roast it and trying to roast it and all it does is just smolder pretty much. If you pack it too tight, that's the same concept. So you have to just get it, I guess I like to put it in a little kind of light air, not really too packed, but enough where you can get air around it so that you can get a nice little burn around it. Yeah, it's some good hits there, for sure. So, did uh, to kind of get back to where we were a little bit, did uh, the bongathon come in after the military there, or was that something that you picked up before it came back to? Uh, the bongathon came after the military, after I moved out to Colorado. I um, okay. I did a little bit of cannabis in Missouri. Like I said, kind of just where I could find it. Um, I went to a music festival called the Swagstock. That was probably the only time I could actually find Kind Bud in Missouri, still underground at the time. And uh, I guess Bongathon really... It was just being, I guess, at the right place at the right time at a social club that I was at in Colorado that I walked in there and I, they had the bong racing on and that's how I fell in love with the bongathon. But it was definitely after the military. Before the military, I was pretty much uh, biblical, raised by a biblical family. And once I joined the Navy, I kind of realized a lot of that was BS. It's kind of probably the reason why I joined the Navy, because beforehand I was starting to realize it was BS. And to me, anyway, to other people it might be different, but to me it was just, my family just was very against cannabis. And were telling me all this other stuff against alcohol and going to church, but then we'd be drinking after church and everything else, but still would be against cannabis. And then I started doing cannabis, and now my mom's doing cannabis now to help with her um, medical issues. And I still can't get my other relatives really to enjoy it. But I think it's been a very big beneficial to me, not just because of the bong racing 
I think it's been beneficial to me because I have a stable job of it. I'm able to function. I'm able to learn how a plant grows. It's given me so much knowledge that I'm able to take and spread to other people with. When people ask me like questions like what, why am I having nitrogen issues? Or why am I having problems because I switched a different soil or different nutrients? Because a lot of people don't understand when you start switching problems when you're growing with things, you got to make one change at a time and keep track of those changes. Because once you start making multiple changes, it's like a, I call it the domino effects. And a lot of people, I think that's what a lot of growers don't understand is that you have to let that one domino completely fall over when you make those changes before you start realizing that before you start knocking those others over. I get it. I get it. You got to kind of see the impact it makes before you, you know, add anything else, and you know, what it does. You know, I, I should have said this earlier, but thank you for your service. And even more, thank you for your cannabis activism, too, uh, because I believe, you know, that's that should be one of the first medications that they're offered instead of the pharmaceutical trap that they're often offered and uh i think it's super unfair it's super unfair and the way that they treat veterans because they use cannabis is even more unfair because veterans that who who are in the cannabis community if they have to go around so many loopholes to get their VA benefits. And it is, it's upsetting to a lot of us veterans of why we have to go through so much other stuff after we've already went through too much for them already. We still got to go jump through more loopholes to get, to get our benefits. I'm I'm dealing with some stuff right now. It's, it's just it's crazy how if for for instance, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna give some uh, tips for some cannabis for veterans in the cannabis community. If you're in the cannabis community and you're trying to buy a home, try to get you a W two. Ten ninety nines was not gonna help you with a VA loan. It's sad to say. I got Now, what about, uh, well, probably not if 1099's not working for you, then the W9 probably wasn't working either. That's a cash claim, right? Uh, I mean, even with the W2, which I have, you still you still have a few loopholes you still have to go through, but it's a, it's a lot better chance for you to get it your home homes through that. 
So it's it's like if you because it's still not federally legal, the VA is not is not as willing to help you with your veteran help home loan. It's more up to still up to your lender, but you still have to be. I guess we all have to be very careful what we still have to be careful with what we say if we still want to get our VA benefits and still be cannabis activists at the same time. Yeah, it's such a shame because it's such powerful medicine in so many ways. Moreover, I find, and I'm, I'm a huge advocate for the cultivation side of cannabis because I really believe it's a good majority of the medicine, if not uh, the biggest factor of the medicine is that can do that spending time in your garden, that kind of zen like moment, the, the educational side of things as you're talking about, you know, digging deeper along as you go has a huge impact as well so i it's it's very sad i, I found out and uh, i think it was the i forget which book right off the top of my head right this second but they knew in the 70s in the 70s that hold horticulture had a huge impact for people with anxiety what they had yet to turn PTSD at that point for returning vets and stuff like that. And they just kind of swept it under. They just took, chose to feed into the pharmaceutical mess, which messed up way more many lives than the war itself, I'm sure. Uh, kind of sad, super sad. It's, it all goes to, they'd rather give us on the, the opiates that they get from the wars because where does where where did the major opiates come from? Afghanistan, all over that area. So they just, we have these wars to help where they can help get all these opiates, and we're over there protecting these opium fields and and stuff. And then here we are getting back addicted to the opiates that they're over there trying to the market and stuff. It's all the the drug war and stuff where the DEA gets all of the opiates from over there and brings it over here and then gets all the, the veterans addicted to it all and other people addicted to it. It's all a big circle. And I believe that's like when you said it started in the seventies when they could have used this on cannabis I believe they use those other drugs and it's not always opiates. It's just, it's like the, um, the lithiums and all the other, not uh, the tramadols and all the other non-narcotics that they were giving us that also mess. I guess they kind of numbed our minds. It's like they were trying to numb us with pills instead of numbing us naturally.
it's so vicious too because the, the other way around the pharmaceutical route has so many ups and downs so many different prescriptions so many different strengths before there's even a comfort level found if there is and then as you kind of point you're kind of just stuck in the system for life uh it's sad it's super sad it was like when when they had me in the when i was in the va system they would have they give me this one set of pills tell me to try it for two three weeks see how it reacts and then but they tell me oh but it takes a month to kick in so then by the 30 days that i'm kick it kicks in by day 45 I'm like, uh, I'm not, no, I can't, I can't do this no more because it's like the side effects of some of that stuff was would be more worse than the pains I had to deal with. So are they become starting to become a little bit more lenient? as there's more leeway being made with both medical and recreational cannabis, are they starting to come through and at least loosen up a little bit with their approach towards prescribing cannabis or at least turning their way, their heads to existing rules? It's to prescribing cannabis. I don't think that's, going to happen yet they're waiting more to wait till it becomes federally legal there's some states I think are trying to work on getting the VA doctors to do to prescribe it to them because of the states that are medically I use a, I use a different doctor to get my medical prescriptions for my uh, cannabis but when I go to the VA, it's, when I, especially like when I was in Colorado, they knew I was a medical cannabis medical patient. Not once did they offer me any narcotic, anything other stronger than a Tylenol or anything else. So that when, even when I was in pain, have like, had to have like stitches in my eye, it was a Tylenol because they knew that I was on cannabis. They didn't want to use any kind of other pain medication. Hmm. Again, super unfair. You know, sometimes, uh, you know, it, I you, you do just do require something a little bit stronger, and but Sometimes you do, but it's to the point where they have so many of the veterans. Some of the veterans are on the point where they're addicted to the prescriptions. So they'll be going in there and they'll, some will get hurt and they'll go in there and have to get the pain pills. And the VA, instead of giving you like a normal, monthly prescription will give you like a three-month prescription at a time this is it, yeah it was it was weird instead of getting like a normal 
I go to the doctor, like I get hurt or something, they give me 10 or 15, you know, pills. Like if I go to a normal doctor, if I go to the VA doctor, they would give me 30 to 45 of the pain pills if I was getting hurt. It was, it was outrageous there for a while. It was just like, it was a, a pain. It was just like, they was trying to give you pain pills and trying to give you pain pills. And I was just like, stop. I don't need that many. And that it was, there was, it was a problem. And I think it's why we got to the 26th a day. It's not only are, is it the medicines that they're giving us, it's, I think it is some of the medicines that the VA give us because we don't always have hope to give us something because it's, it's the pain pills, it's these other pills. It's, ooh, it's like when we're going to the military, it's like, ooh, here, take this pill. Here, take this shot. Here, take this pill. Here, take this shot. We get accustomed to it. So when we get out of the military, it's like, here, take this pill. Here, take this pill. Here, take this pill. And then, you know, and then, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I didn't mean, I was just going to say that the one thing about the opiate side of things is, you know, people don't realize that uh, the pain side of things, you know, through the the downside or trying to come off the, the that medicine comes terrible pain as well. And people get caught up in the confusing the pharmaceutical pain with their pain and tend to just keep getting caught up in the loop instead of fighting, fighting their way through the pharmaceutical pain. You know what I mean? To continue to wean off. And the, the pain, I mean, I, I still deal with my back pain physically every day, but I would rather deal with Sometimes dealing with the pain is better than dealing with the opiates. And now that I'm on cannabis, it's like I still, I can still function, but I still know the pain's there. It's just, I've, I've got accustomed to it now. I get, I really agree myself. I use it for pain as well from same back injury, uh, fell off a ladder, 10 foot ladder A-frame and end up kind of tackling over it backwards. You know what I mean? And uh, never kind of recovered from that as well. But I agree, it's a better, it's more of a better pain reliever because you can kind of control it a little bit do you try uh, edibles at all? Do you find they help with the pain or the anxiety at all? The edibles, edibles help when I get around the 100, 100 milligrams to the 150 milligram range. If I get around the lower doses, it's it's more of a you know. I don't even want to say it would even be a numbing feeling. It, it seems like I have to get to that higher feeling for me to to get, I don't even get, I start to feel the, 
I guess the facts about the 100 milligrams. Because I guess I'm trying to think how I say this. When I, when I do an indica, I stay awake, but when I eat a, eat a sativa, I start going to sleep. I haven't figured this one out. It's like my body reacts differently to them. Mm. But when I, when I smoke them, it's like a sativa will keep me awake and the indicas will put warm beans in more sleeping mode. So what about, uh, how do uh, dads affect you? Uh... <coughs> I dabs, I usually do about one, one, one to two dabs a day. Sometimes more, it just depends on the how I'm feeling, because it's, I have to, when I'm, when I, when I spunk smoke so much, I get, when I, it gets where the flower doesn't really help me get me medicated. So I, I'll have to switch over to dabs for a while. And then dabs where, where I'm able to get to that medicated feeling where I need, where I'm feeling good. And I, then after a while, the dabs kind of get where they wear off. So I'll switch to the Keith or hash rosin and then back to flower. So I kind of keep a rotation going and that way I'm still able to still medicate. And still get all of the terpenoid profiles and all that and all parts of the um, cannabinoids. Which are some of your uh, favorite terp profiles? I know you've kind of mentioned you know, the sour, the sour, but is uh, anything else besides the kind of sour side of cannabis there? I, I like the. So like, like I go for more for terp profiles. I go for more like the flavors that I like, of like certain. Certain original strains, like land race strains, like if you, I like more like 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 the sour part or the the Durban kind of sweetness, like the the Durban sweetness, um, or the I'm, at, I'm I got a little stone there for a second. 
But yes, the Durbans, Sours. I'm not an OG fan, though. I have to come up with that. It's just not. It's got like a. Everybody, everybody likes them because like they like the gas part of it. I like the way they look. I like the way they smoke. I just, they don't really like me very well. I'll just say that. <laughs> All right. So we were talking about this just last night. <clears throat> you know, everybody has, you know, a different approach or a different palate when they smell something. What what's your description of gas? I mean, what what kind of category would you put it in? We were kind of talking about like a kerosene, like a sweet fuel, uh, kind of more like an alcohol fuel. How would you kind of describe when you say fuel? What what's your palate kind of pick up? Like if I'm thinking gas. I don't think I like like you like you said like that that more that fuely taste that more to me like almost like like that I still think of like that sour diesel but more of that that real pungent taste is what I think of like that that gas a lot of people here's what I heard of gas the other day they they heard that they wanted something that was really sweet was gas. And I was like, no, I don't consider a sweet a gas. But I guess he he was they were trying to say it was good as good as <laughs> it could be. It could be. Everybody has their own description. You have to respect that for sure. So uh it hits my nose. Gas hits my like the OGs hit my nose where it's it's not the diesel fuel, it's more of a and I'm even saying kind of like a burnt diesel fuel, like in between like a burnt diesel fuel with smell, like when you're like when you're actually at the uh. Not really behind a semi, but it's just kind of got that. To me, I'm used to, I grew up around a bunch of truckers. So that's why I like, I think a, a, a gas like that. It's got, it's got, got that diesel, not even a. Almost kerosene kind of. Kerosene, fuel right? smell, yeah. That's the way I hit it. That's the way it hits me too, is kind of a. A kerosene. That's exactly the way I described it last night. That's why I didn't throw that out there in the beginning. I wasn't trying to, you know, <laughs> plant the seed, but that's how exactly how I describe it too is kind of a kerosene. Mm -hmm. I, it's right. The whole OG dispute has been, been crazy throughout the cannabis community for years of is it ocean grown 
Is it OG? Is it original gangster? To me, it's 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 OG. It's OG. Is it really? I mean, do we re we have too many other things in the cannabis community to worry about other than to argue about where OG really came from, whether it's original gangster, whether it's ocean grown, whether it's Oklahoma grown. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's fun. It's somewhat entertaining to listen to at some points. Do I think it really matters? Uh, nah, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I mean, my first... I think my first strains that I really smoked was like a White Widow and G13 and White Rhino. And then I started getting the sour diesel there for a while. And then Durban. And now I, I, I like the smell of Durban, but I can't really smoke Durban anymore. It's after a while, there's Too certain racy. Strength. It's I still like the way they smell, but it's just, I don't, sometimes I don't like the way certain strains smoke. It's like more, some of them make more of my throat more harsher and some of them are smoother. And sometimes it, I know it's sometimes it's the grower but I've also tried different strains from different places, different growers, growing it myself. I've had some similar effects with this. It's, it's like I said, when I do the bong racing, I start learning certain strains that I like and certain strains that I don't like. Sometimes I still have to smoke it because sometimes I, I might be all I have at the time, but I'm starting to learn what I like and what I think that's worth the way we should be in the communities. We should be able to be able to share what strains help each other and what strains don't a lot more. And I think that's one thing a lot of us lack of being able to share with others but sometimes we're all stoners and forget to share and and we miss out on a lot of things that way You know, uh, white or uh, white rhino was uh, probably my favorite out of that uh, that list that you threw out there. Uh, still, one of my favorites. If I can get my hands on it, I'll definitely grab some whenever I can. Whenever I see it, chat was quick to jump on your OG references there. You they added to your list organ organ grown, uh, old grandma. In Olive Garden, OG <laughs> popped. <laughs> Outstanding grass as well. 
Uh, right. Bunch of fun folks. Well, we got to have a little bit of fun with it sometimes. I mean, everybody's there was so much drama over over a while. I just like I had to make some jokes with it. Was I like the uh, outstanding grass one? That was pretty good. So, uh, Chad's wanting to know exactly how many years have you been racing for? Uh, that's a lot. That's a lot of cannabis consumed <laughs> at an alarming uh, quick pace. I have been since 2013. I actually have some of my posters here. Let me turn <laughs> Can you see it? Sure can. These That's are the, awesome. These are the official trays from um, the years up last couple of years I've competed. I'm missing one year. This was uh, last year's. This was in uh, 2020. Excuse me. This was in 2021. This was in 2019. I got married at the Bongathon this year in, in 2019. And then 2018. And I think that top one is 2017. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, on top of uh, smoking cannabis very quickly, I also hear that you trim cannabis very quickly, too. Uh, what do you say to that? <laughs> I've, uh, I've been known to trim a couple pounds in a day. That's pretty fucking good. I was uh, there last time that I... Except I was or trimmed. I was averaging over two pounds a day. That's by hand, by hand trimming. Oh. Holy shit! But yeah, I have now that I've been growing. I haven't really been trimming much anymore. I've now I'm uh, basically in the grow. So now they call me the D fan veteran. So. That, that's another thing I'm good at is I defend really fast too. So <laughs> that's, uh, that's got... you know, oh, I didn't mean to cut you off there. I was that's... just going to say uh, to the point that, you know, you were talking about importance of, you know, trying to get a W2, you know, if you work in or have cannabis related work. I can't, I can't help but think what more of a better, you know, industry for, you know, a vet or a returning vet, you know, as far as rehabilitation, I guess, coming back around there's, uh, there's a, healing. There's a lot of veterans in the industry. And a lot of, like, I'm some of them 
some of them actually create their own businesses. Some of them are actually doing really well when they come out of the military. Some, some veterans, sometimes we hit bottom when we come out and have to build ourselves back up. And when you start building yourself back up, you have to, sometimes you have to make sure you do the right decisions. And working 1099, like it's being a trimmer and trimming all that, being a 1099 contractor, making my own jobs and everything, making the money, that was, that was like the beginning end of the industry. That was fine for me. As I'm moving on in the industry, realizing that, hey, I need to have something more stable. Move on. I'm ready. To, if I don't have a house, I'm ready to get a house. Move up, try to get it like a grower job. Move into the uh, maybe get a job at a dispensary as a, as a, as a manager or do something more as a W-2 employee is what I'm suggesting for veterans. Because we have, most veterans, veterans have managers skills, whether we got managed or whether we managed. <laughs> very true, very true. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me so again uh, thank you for your service by the way because I was so black on the first time so when you first when you first started cultivating uh, was it for on a personal level or did you start cultivating on somebody else's time um very first time was personal. Just uh, outdoors, throwing, throwing little seeds in the cup, seeing if they grow, put them using Miracle Grow at the time. <laughs> but learned a lot of things since then, but um, I actually got one to grow about four foot tall, give me some probably Maybe didn't even get two, three ounces out of it at the time. So yeah, I <laughs> that was my first plant. I think uh, I only did that one plant, Missouri. I was just like, oh, see what it grows outside, throw that little beans. When I went out to Colorado, it was more of working for people at first learn learning because i i'd read the books in high times we'd all uh, growing up like and i was like okay maybe figure some something up i don't mean figure out how to grow i wanted to learn how to grow when i first went out there and i was like okay i want to learn how to grow and the actual industry in Colorado, trying to become to get into the grow out there, you had to work and become a trimmer because there were so many people in the industry. The jobs were 
overabundant. If you didn't know anybody or have, have a big resume of knowing anything, it was hard to get in the grow. And that's how I had to work my way as being a trimmer and then learning from my other friends that did have grows, how to get got more experience. It was sort of more, not really, I guess, home taught, but more just repetition of learning different from different people. Yeah. Oh, that, I dig that shirt, man. By the way, I was just admiring the clown there. I'm a, I'm a fan. Cool shirt. <laughs> it's a skull with the smoke coming out the mouth. Oh, yeah. It looks like a Who'd clown. I got it. it looked like a clown with the, the points there. Yeah. That fucker's bad though. Did you design that yourself? We no. We had uh, we had some uh, help with that. One of our um, chapter leaders helped design this. Oh yeah. How many members? We have. 16, they have 16 members out in Denver chapter right now. That's official, not always on the list because some of them have been on the list and don't race anymore because some of them have retired. There are three members in Las Vegas. They're, they're still current right now. And we have eight here in Oklahoma City and growing. Because I just started, uh, we just started racing in Oklahoma last year. Started with three racers and like I said, eight now I'm growing. That's pretty awesome. I, seems like uh, Oklahoma would be a quick filling chapter. <laughs> A lot of vets, a lot of cannabis there in Oklahoma, for sure. Well, there's there's definitely a lot of cannabis here. Yes, sir. There's also a lot. We got another weed nerd that does a, a lot of work with the vets over there. Uh, Sus, this guy, Burton, uh, has a... Uh, uh, does a lot of vets grow. I think he just had a softball tournament over there, cannabis uh, softball tournament for vets over there in Oklahoma. Uh, pretty good guy. Well, nice. I didn't know that was – I had to get in touch with him. I like softball. I haven't played softball in a while. Yeah, he tried like hell to uh, get a vets cup off last year. Uh, a Vets Grow Cup last year, and for one reason or another, uh, 
had troubles getting it up, but hopefully he gets gets one going this year. But he does a lot of uh, things geared just towards vets. A lot of things have problems getting off around everywhere, I think, because of the world events going on. And now gas prices going up. But everything else. It seemed, I know. I was giggling about the gas prices because around me, it's still, well, it's just made that jump over the, the mark that I'm hitting at there. But uh, it stayed at 419. 419.9. And a lot of my gas stations around me. And every time I'd go in to get gas, I'd be like, come on, can't you guys just entertain us fucking stoners and just go? I mean, we're talking about a tenth of a penny. Just make it fucking 420 already instead of 419. Just give us the giggle, the fucking picture. You know what I mean? Give us that 420, fuckers. (laughs) It's like, uh, I believe I was out in Colorado. They took down the 419 interstate signs and put 419.9 on all of them because, because everybody kept stealing all the 420 signs. Uh, stoners. <laughs> um, I think it's with the gas prices I've actually still seen under $4 a gallon in some places. It's like where you go, where it's, or do you, do you want to pay that little, little less for that 10% of, of uh, ethanol? Because a lot of places I've seen around here is all just, being in Oklahoma, it's all regular gas, 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 gas. No, no ethanol, no ethanol, no ethanol. And the, those are getting like 430 465 close to $5. But the still ethanol stuff is still staying close to the form in the law. I can't run it. I wish I could. <laughs> None of my vehicles run the ethanol. So it's probably good. You just open up that file of uh, probably harder on the back. Yeah. Need to roll one up myself, man. I couldn't take that many bong hits. I'd be down. I'd be down already. And I smoke a lot of cannabis myself, but Smoking method matters. Uh, for instance, like I said, I, I do smoke a lot of cannabis, but I prefer it in the joint form. But I've noticed uh, at one point I've made just like it was like a steamroller type bottle to where I just drilled a hole in a, a small bottle and you put the joint in there and just smoking in it in that method would increase the high of it. And I think there's something to be said about the cooling 
the cooling of the smoke before it actually gets into your lung really changes the effect of it as well. It makes it a little bit more heavier, I think, as well. Pro tip. If you put something that you like, the flavor of a drink that you like in your bong, of some, and then if you have some weed that you don't like, smoke it. You might like that weed. Hmm. Never thought about that. Never even considered it. Because it, it, it's it kind of it's kind of like a, a masking for if you have bad flavored weed, you can use like something flavorful in the in the bong that you like to mask the bad weed. I've actually learned that from doing different flavors and putting different things in the bong through my videos and actually sometimes I'll smoke through it and then actually drink it. But I've actually figured out that the weed actually tastes better sometimes with them putting those different flavors in there. Like the blue Gatorade was one of my favorites. Orange juice is like another one if you if you get it when it's still cold it still it gives you a nice kind of a refreshing taste to to the weed that's that's an off the wall one it's crazy but it's good <laughs> i've never again even thought about it but it kind of makes sense with that being said uh do you i is there any kind of rule about what you can have in your bong like that at the bongathon? At the bongathon, you can only have water. But like okay. when we're doing that little bong drags, you can you can put any anything you want to in it. And so like if you're just like if you're just racing with like how we we're racing each other, then we can as long as you bring a bong that has a 14 millimeter down stem, then it's good because we have this two trays, same trays, and then two bowls that are the same. And just race against each other. Very nice. See who wins. That's how that's how that's how I say that if people want to learn how to race and get into racing. Get two bowls that are the same. Grab a friend, race each other, see who wins. Have some fun. It's just like how we how everybody used to have beer pong back in the day. Have some fun with your friends while you're out there and just race each other, see who wins. I just kind of curious, man, because I hate I see hashes where it's at in chat. Is there a hash rounds? Is there a hash rounds where yeah. instead of flour, there you guys are a, ripping on hash? There is a, um, like what they call a, the, mar is the marathon, where you can do, it's either a quarter gram of hash or every five minutes or a gram of flour every five minutes. <laughs> for how long 
Just until somebody gives up. Just see how long whoever whoever does it, just keep the longest. Right now. The, <laughs> the I think the guy that won they had it last time they had it was two years ago, uh, or to twenty nineteen. And the guy that did it smoked like seven and a half grams of concentrate. It was crazy. It was back to back. Because it, it's, and this is the thing that I want to, I like these, these dab, everybody talks about hashes where it's at, these dab competitions. I want to, I want to, I want to pull like this little spoiler alert. Half of these people that have these world record dabs will have half of their stuff will be like, ooh, we got heated up, do these big dabs. Because if you want to do like big dabs, you got to do it hot temperature. You can't do it cool temperature and let it puddle up. It's science that says that if you got something cold and you put something into something hot, it's going to take the temperature down. So if you got some a lot of something cold and you're putting it in something small or something hot, you're going to have to have it a lot hotter to keep the temperature regulated to keep that vapor going instead of puddling up. Because if you puddle up, you're not smoking all of the gram that you put in there. You're puddling it, and then you got to use your Q-tip and soak half of it up. That's not smoking at all. That's all I want to say about that. That's one realm I, I've been on the fence about for a very long time. I tried to get back into, like, last year when we, you know, dabs became a little bit more... Uh, smart i guess you know kind of using more moderate temperatures lower temperature dabs you know when i first started dabbing is when it first started becoming popular and they were always fucking hot and i'd watch what happened in the rig itself that layer that you could hardly get out of there and i'm like man that's gotta be fucking brutal on on my lungs. You know what I mean? It, it is. I was like, it's ahead. the thing. I understand. It's you can do if you're gonna do low temperature dabs. It's better for you because you can't do a low temperature huge dab unless you've got like this huge string that you're not just sitting there fastly going down you'd have to have like a nail at a low temperature just to keep it going without it puddling up that's what i'm just saying it's these big dab with the dab compositions you have it's hard to be able to consume it all without either a being unhealthy or losing b losing some of the product it's kind of like I'm a, leaning towards more being unhealthy there. 
<laughs> I can live through wasting some of the product. <laughs> I'd rather do. I'd rather do a lower temp. If I like, if I'm doing it personally, if I'm doing a dab, and I just want to have a dab, a dab. Yeah, I'm gonna do a lower temperature dab. If if somebody wants to do a dab competition, then I'm gonna to have to do a hotter temperature dab. I know that's not more healthier, but I'm also gonna probably be use more of a room temperature water, not cold temperature because I don't want that vapor to get too cold and then cause more of a pneumonia in my lungs. Is that I, I, I had to take that into effect when I'm doing like the hot dabs like that. But I I've done sing or a gram or gram dabs without doing no cost. I've done two and a half gram dabs at a time. I don't like doing gram those dab competitions like that because those hotter dabs hurt my throat and I it just burns it to me. I like the cooler dabs and not big dabs. But unless I got one that's gonna get me just to the right, probably maybe 0.2, at the most at a time. And that's, that's all I really, really, really need to medicate. Because once you, once you, with, with concentrates, once you get with that, you're, I will, in my personal experience, with concentrates, once you get over a certain point, it's just you're at that level that you just you're taking it in and you're you're either gonna fall asleep or, or just keep on going. Dabs are strange for me, man. I actually need to smoke flour to kind of counterbalance that fucking high, man. I get a little bit too in my head after too many dabs. I need that flour to bring me back to center. <laughs> All right. That's with me. I think. The dabs, so like I just took the dab. I was doing good smoking flour a while ago. Now I took the dab, and now I'm like, Ooh. so I had to smoke, smoke. The center in this, to me, after a while, it's just like a rolling high. So, how many uh, smoking pieces do you have, and which one's your favorite? I have, I think we have 18 between me and the wife. 
this is probably my favorite, like racing this in the everyday ball. And then, hold on one sec, I'll get the. So do you, do you and the misses uh, race against each other? Well, That's a be, good couple fun right there. She beats me <laughs> sometimes. This is uh, last year's um, relay bong. Nice. And then it's a little dirty, but this was last year's actually seven gram competition ball. That looks like a smooth hitter right there. So, which do you prefer? Do you prefer a longer, uh, a longer piece, or do you prefer something more short and stout like that? Well, I, like if I'm racing like on a table, I want something more, more taller. If like if I'm just sitting around like in the in the car or something, or I'm just sitting at the house, or especially like if I'm in a car, I might have something like this, or when I go camping. No travel ball. But it this I like when I'm sitting around the house with like having the, with the wife. She likes this. This is like one of her little favorites. She also races with this is this is the one she race usually races with. I prefer like I said, I prefer my, my tall one over there. And we also have another one that sometimes we race with this one. It's just by sour glass. More of a baker style. And I have my other trophies in the bedroom, but wife's sleeping right now, so. So I guess uh, when you guys do have events, um. Who supplies the flour? I mean, does because uh, I'm sure that's quite a bit of flour that comes to a race. Is it uh, bring your own, or uh, how does that work when it comes to kind of competition? When it's like with different, due to the different laws in different states, different chapters have different laws due to the different states, like. With Oklahoma, it's more of a bring your own medicine, bring your own ball type thing because, because of the laws, we're not able to share our medicine per se. And this, we had a few times, like we had a sponsor, but we still had to go to dispensary Give, you know, purchase our medicines for like a dollar because it was sponsored. We still had to purchase it. And then we were able to race with it. Um, out in Colorado, due to their laws, it is like we'll, um, the racers will bring and whoever calls whoever out will supply the ground for both races. So that way, if uh, 
I'm racing against you out in Colorado and I call you out, then I want to supply both grams so that way, because you're able to share your med or you're able to share out there plus it's recreation. And then at the Bonathon, it's sponsored. Yeah, I never really think about how, you know, certain locations can dictate, you know, things like that. It'd be fair and then be bring your own events there if everybody, you know, had to bring that quarter just to even things out, kind of treat it like a potluck salad almost. You know, everybody take that quarter, dump it into a fucking pot and fucking shank, shank, right. shank, 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 shank. Here you go. Now here's your quarterback, but mix. You just have to, to do things. We still had to make, when we do things, in, you know, publicly, we still, still had to do things by the book sometimes. And it's. Sometimes it's not always how we want to do, but you, you still got to do it. Uh, I agree. I'm, I'm used to being out in Colorado where I'm able to, to share, and it's like here, I'm like, ugh. It's like I had to rewrite my whole bylaws of, of how it, so I could, you know, start getting more racers to come in and stuff without getting too much other problems. So I guess, uh, how long had you been in Oklahoma and what was the draw? I've been in Oklahoma for a little over a year now. The draw was super living and the cannabis community was starting to thrive. And that's pretty, it was, I'm out here spending half as much on rent as I was out in Colorado for a bigger apartment. That's awesome. How was, uh, how'd they treat you? I've always wondered that if, you know, about areas like Oklahoma, when they get the influx, you know, how welcome, <laughs> how welcoming it can be in reality, I guess. I, I guess, to a lot of people, it could be because from being from a true pe people that are just like moving from Colorado here that haven't really been in the Midwest before. I think they have maybe a little bit. There's, there's still Oklahoma still want to be by Oklahoma, Oklahoma grown. That's why I kind of it's. They, they like to have more of people from Oklahomans. So the outsiders coming in, I, they still kind of think how Colorado feels now with the influx coming in. But with me coming from the Midwest, I haven't really, like Missouri, I think I've already understand how like I haven't had as much problems, really. I I love it here. It's been a lot of lot of fun. Learned a lot of 
lot of new people learning a new uh, some new systems We're growing and it's it's expanding. Well, I guess then my next question would be uh, kind of closer to your new title there, <laughs> the fastest deleafer, <laughs> defoliator. Um, is there a method to the madness? Uh, when and when, when and where on the plant is the most effective places to defoliate, or uh, what's what's your thoughts on that? Like, depends on the canopy that you're in. If you're, if you have a super thick canopy where you can't hardly see anything, I like to go from the top or from the bottom up for her stem. But if it's more of a stockier plant, more of the, uh, like, like I said, like the uh, Girl Scout cookie, like girls like the Girl Scout cookie, kind of lanky, like, or like, like with smaller buds and just, it's easier. I like to come from the top down on those. It's just by strain and how, how they look for me. If, if, if they if they're taller and, and not as bushy and thick, like even if you got thicker plants, they could be. It's all how you grow. <laughs> the thicker they are, I like to go from the bottom up. If you got them already thinned out, then I like to go from the top down. Some people like to go through the like through the middle inward, but if you like, if you got like multiple layers, like one, two, three, and four, and you've got four plant four plants this way and four plants in, and you're trying to move down the line, but you want to move efficiently. You want to go for that first plant from the bottom all the way up to where you can see. And then you're going to go into that second plant all the way up to the bottom. Where you can see. And then you're going to move up to about the middle and then go across and then the top and go across. The reason why I say you move like that, just stagger it up like the ladder. And that way the plants might be intertwined, intertwined, sorry for my intertwined, but intertwined. And if you go in there and you pluck them up by each branch, and move in and out, then you're not destroying the, the buds as you're 
moving through there. So they're not ripping the branches from one side to the other. That way you're efficiently going through there from plant to plant and not destroying it as you move along. So you move around to the next plant, same way. And if it's too thick and they're too intertwined, then you might want to go to the left and I like goes to the left and to the right and then up and down. Um, what about the best times to defoliate? Uh, when are you guys defoliating over there? Is it earlier on? Are you guys waiting to for a little bit later in flower? I I prefer I prefer somewhere around your 21 plus day mark. So you were somewhere between your third week and your fourth week. After that, I I, I don't I don't really defoliate until it's time to harvest. Burn out, burn out. I'm uh, I I try to do as much defoliating as possible, but not everybody are in that camp. That's for sure. That's why I asked. That's why I asked different points for you. You know what I mean? The SWAT. It depends on. It de depends on your strain. A lot of the people prefer the Swazé Swazé method, where you defan every little leaf off all the way up except for the top and then some people for some strains actually prefer to have a little bit more leaves on there so when you defend on week three because some of them are going to bush out really bad really big and they like that swazé some of them you swazé them like that and it kind of stuns the growth and it could prolong an extra week into your growth cycle. I kind of use it as a, a plant controlling method myself. I've always kind of used it or spoke of it like that. Basically, you know, I look at the plant and if I know it's a stretcher, I try to tend to leave you know, more bottom growth on there to kind of suck up some of that energy. And if I've already done that at some point, already taken my clones and she's still kind of lingered down and veg for a few minutes, you know what I mean? A few extra days and got a little extra taller. If that be the case, that's when I kind of implement that Swazi approach and kind of use that as kind of a stunting method to kind of keep her a little bit shorter than she would normally reach uh, is the way I kind of usually try to handle that as far as a breaking method as well. All right, I, this Swazi, this I, it's more like, like, a, like a Gary Payton strain. It doesn't really like the Swazi as much. Uh, more like a the apple like an apple fritter it likes more of a more of a swazé on it it's 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 weird but then 
sometimes the apple fritter likes a little less of it. It's, it's like in between on the apple fritter, sorry, correcting myself. And on the Gary Payton, it doesn't like the Swazi at all. Because Gary Payton just likes more of a, more of a bushier state because it's already lanky and it's already stretchy, more of a stretchier plant. I, the, the bottoms, I agree with you though, with the growing up on it, I like to get the bottoms up. Sometimes I like, I like to, when it's in the veg state, and if you, if you got more plants and you're trying to keep them all level, I like to, I, I prefer topping them and keeping them all on the same level. Because if you keep your canopy all on the same level, you can either, you either got the toppings to keep them all on the same level, the super crop, or you, or you can bend them over. You got to keep that, that canopy all level though. That's your key important to when you're growing any kind of mass, mass quantity of, of cannabis in the industry. You can't keep your canopy all the same level. Your plants are all gonna get overcrowded and you're gonna have one plant that's gonna be really big and you're gonna have one plant right next to it. It's gonna be really small because it didn't get any light. And you're gonna have another plant right next to it really big. That's why you gotta keep your canopy and your, your leaf canopy all even even throughout the the uh, your rows and your your, your light uh, light patterns. Just out of curiosity, what kind of lights are they are you guys using over there? Lux lights. Nice, good light right there. We got uh the six eight or the double image right now. We're getting ready to switch over to LEDs. Right got, them, right got them all shipped in. Run, run a thin line of newts. We got it. everything's all automated. Pretty good, pretty good setup. I like to told told the uh, making jokes with some of our chimps the other day. I was gonna build a robot to to learn to defan, and they 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 was like, no, no, don't don't build the robot. <laughs> so what i guess overall because i we talk i talk well all and all we talk about this quite a bit uh as far as large-scale groves goes versus more of a craft cannabis uh how would you say like the overall vibe because you've talked about it being more all closer to automated but for the without the defoliating uh do you think there's a, a difference in the plant and plant produced cannabis that's more one-on-one -on -one versus uh, automated you, cannabis? You can still grow craft cannabis automated. 
I believe you can actually, if you have the right equipment and you're actually using your sensors to find out what your pH is, what your hydration, you're getting your hydration sensors and they're giving your, uh, all your readings seen back to you constantly so that you're able to see that with the, the charts to know when, when the water and when you have your drybacks. I think that helps you control your plants into how you grow and actually grow better. Hmm. That way you can actually, you're collecting data on the plant of how it reads. So you're getting your pH, you're getting your runoffs, you're getting all that information you're collecting that information and then you're saying "Ooh, how is that plant reading and then you're breaking that down i believe it's yes i believe you're still going to have your home grows that are going that have it dialed in for what they do for the smaller types but I believe once you start getting things more scientific and you're able to collect more information and data and you're able to collect, use that data correctly, then I believe you're gonna be able to see more and more companies be able to produce better quality cannabis. I can I can follow you there. I can follow you there to an extent. Um, that's why I kind of asked how how the overall kind of like vibe was in the larger scale grow. I know that's super hippie-ish, but I know that's I think there's a lot to be said there about that plant interaction a little bit. I think the extra love is part of it. You know, I think you can't yeah, automate it. To there avoid, is actually love. That's like I said. I still love being in there with the, with the, with the, with. The, I I joke with, with like I said. I joke about the robot with the D fan in there. But that's like actually that's one of my favorite things to do because that's what my Zen moment is to be in the garden and just like you turn me loose and say, hey, I need to D fan, and I'm like I'm like a little uh, just like this. Just let me go, and I'm I'm peace. Let me have my headphones on, and just let me. It's like a Zen moment. That's so why I said it's these. I still see the plants. I still love the plants, and that's where I can tell. That's like my moment for me. I can tell when I'm having a problem with the plants. What plants aren't getting watered? What plants aren't healthy? And that's that's you're still gonna have that in a grow. No matter how automated I've been on any of my growths that I've ever been at in the industry, you're still going to have people having that personal contact. More and more of them are becoming more automated due to you can't really necessarily sit there and water, hand water, 
or pay employees to hand water 1,500 plants every hour, two hours, you know, a day. You have to sit there and have to figure out ways to automate your water systems for those. And then that that is you still have to sit there and put the plants and see how they are. You're still going to have to move your plants around from your room to room. You're still having plant interaction. It's to the way, certain way people grow. Now, there are still people out there in the industry that do the living soil grow. So that they're actually even more in contact with the plants. They're not really doing the automated water systems. They're doing that way. There's still people doing other types of growth. I'm just saying this is the way I'm growing currently. I, again, I, I appreciate that, you know, uh, and then I understand that, too. Uh, I do kind of really, you know, still feel at some aspect that uh, it depends on the employee, the morale, you know, of the type of grow, the type of people like yourself that come in with a good attitude. You know, I, I definitely know people that are in the industry that do... Uh, kind of similar work and necessarily have come to be at that almost like factory job mentality where they've come to just despise it. It's just like another day of collecting money. And I think that vibe kind of rubs off on the plant. And again, the, the example I'll kind of use here is uh, again, because they're kind of both live, you know, live, live. And that would be like chicken. You know what I mean? They can mass produce and same things scientifically, you know, have a recipe there to where they're putting out fat, fat, juicy chicken, but it doesn't necessarily compare to a farm or a locally grown chicken, you know, in flavor. I think that there's still that love there ingredients or whatever that extra bit there that will always kind of shine through i guess that's what i'm saying it's it's ever evolving and i've i've had to evolve with the way i've learned every girl i've worked for has grown a different way whether i agree with the way that they've grown or i don't i've had to learn just be, I, I don't work for some of those girls anymore, <laughs> apparently, because I don't like the way that I didn't end up liking the way they grow. At least had a couple. But things, you has to go through the mentality when you go into a new grow, especially as a person in the industry, that you don't know everything. That is where I think a lot of people have to learn that you have to be humble going into a lot of places that you still have to, that you're you still learn something new every day. Even though I've been in the industry for since I, I don't even say I'm even been in I'm still a rookie in the industry. You know, I've been since I 
trimming and out here in, in Colorado and growing that thing since 2013 out here. I still call myself a rookie because I still learn new things every week about the plant or something new of this strain reacts to this differently or if you try something else with this there's like I said there's things it's like that domino effect that you have to keep in you know keep your your data of what happened when you did that domino then the next time you knock that domino over you know what to do you can push that domino right back up that's what, I, that's what I was talking about, the domino effect earlier. If you start knocking over a bunch of dominoes, then how are you going to know when to put them back up? That's what I, with the collecting the data. It, it to, everybody does it in your home, whether you automate it or not. We're always collecting their data, and that's with the personal care or whether it's you're sitting there every day, you're like, so people's got like a little book or something that you write your information on, or you're sitting there, you're looking at your plant, you're mentally saying, ooh, I saw that look different every day. Something looks different. And then you're the next girl, you did something, and you're saying, ooh, that looks different. You gotta collect that. It's all collecting that data and that information or knowing how to use it. It's like, ooh, wow. Repetition, repetition, repetition. So are you growing uh, personally as well as uh, an industry, in the industry as well? Currently not this moment due to living in an apartment. And the space isn't quite big enough for the amount of personal I need to consume. I am uh, looking forward to buying a house here soon. So I've been dealing with the VA <laughs> and all that stuff. Right now. Yeah, I'm sure you'd like to get back to the the cultivation side of things. Uh, <laughs> racing, I all the time like that has to. Uh, you must go through quite a bit of cannabis, uh, and cultivating sure makes that ease quite quite easier. Right. On the I, old I, pocket I, I, met, I miss sure. cultivating my whole life. I, I used to have a, a little four by eight tent and I had a and the four by eight by eight tents out in the middle of a garage in Colorado in the middle of winter with two thousand watt light bulbs in there and just the, all the cold air from outside come blowing in there just to try to keep it cool. That was saying, oh you got two thousand watt lights in the small tent. I'm like, yeah. It's 16 below outside. I'm going blowing cooler area in there through my garage and then through the tents to cool it down. And it was staying 75 degrees all the time because I had the thermostats and all that set up. And I was like, oh, that's, that's crazy. But I loved it. That's kind of awesome. That's, uh, oh, shit. 
Uh, that's uh, you pretty much kind of described uh, the ac accurately the way I grow here up in northern Michigan. Uh, at its peak, I would, you know, be running quite a few tents here, uh, LEDs during the day, uh, HPS at night, drawing in the cooler Michigan air at night to kind of supplement instead of running air conditioning. Uh, 4K in a straight line, blah, 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 back in through these tents with that cooler air blowing on top and something sucking it through. And it worked just fine. You know, the plants have always been happy in that setup. So, well, great minds, I guess, uh, on that. <laughs> I've, I've always believed in, like, if you have, like, a homegrown, use the outside air to help at night, to help help cooling. It's just, it's, it's more efficient because it's always cooler at night. You don't have to worry about it. And then especially like in the wintertime, you could exhaust your, your heat out to your house to help heat your house up. So you're 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 using you're being double efficient because you're you're cooling your tent, but you're also heating your house. Again, very like minds, my friend. Uh, yeah, right there as well. This this 4K. It's heated throughout the winter as well. And uh, yeah, this this house here in northern Michigan, actually this runs in a straight line right here and it sucks out through the LED tents too. And then it goes down and underneath the house right before the cold air return. And it goes right up into the cold air return of the house. I don't burn the heater at all. I just hit the fan next to the heater and it disperses the warmer air through the house and then there's a little uh, wood burning unit in in the living room part of the house that you know if it during the day it gets you know a little chilly or whatever you know quick little warm up and then and back to letting the lights do the work and it has been amazingly effective on uh keeping my heating costs down for sure uh I I can appreciate somebody with you know a, a like mind mindset. That's for sure. It's pretty awesome. How cold does it get over there? Did it get over there in uh, Colorado? Uh, without giving away too much, or if you don't mind giving away where you were, uh, as far as location. The coldest I've seen it in Denver was negative sixteen. I've, 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 I've been colder in Colorado. I'll say that much. <laughs> that is pretty freaking chilly right there. That's for sure. I, know, I know that that is what the recorded was in Denver, and I know up in the mountains it was a lot colder than, than that in some of the places. So do you prefer a room temperature or a cold smoke uh, as far as uh, smoking through the bong? 
on the ball. Usually, like if I'm racing, I like more of a of a colder temperature, cooler temperature. If every day, it's if I just sit there and change my bong water to keep it cold all the time, though, I'd be changing it every 15, 20 minutes. And then this is, I, as long as it's not hot, do not like hot, hot water. Like, if, like the worst thing I've long hit is like if you go outside and you leave your water out there and it's hot, because uh, then it's got that dirty bong water taste and smell after it. Um, I'd say room temperature is probably the best for me. Just every day smoking. But like if I'm racing, I usually just put cold water in it. How often do you clean your eggs? At least I try to clean them once. I try to clean them at least once or twice a, a week or more now because I switch them out. Because if, I actually have cleaned mine every day one time. And so because of the just to see how clean I could keep or how, and prove people how dirty that my bong could get in just one day sometimes. And it was crazy how many times I had to stop and clean it all every day. I was cleaning three to four times a day. So I learned to do my practice and my training bongs to probably, I will clean the bong itself every couple of days and then the downstream I'll probably clean once a week because so I like to get my downstream where it's like it gets when it smokes like seven grams through it like at Barnathon because after a while sometimes that downstream's not always going to be just perfectly smooth once you get that seven grams down so you have to be able to learn how to still be able to hit it correctly when your down stems almost clogged with the resin and stuff sometimes like when you got resin weed it could get that down stem pretty clogged up sometimes i know this is going to seem like a silly question but uh do you have a favorite training music <laughs> while you're uh, bong training for your bong races? Is there some uh, type of music that uh, helps put you in a good state of mind while you're training? I I I, I did a little bit. Of, um, probably the fastest that I smoked, I was listening to um, Notorious. Uh, by uh, P. Diddy and uh, I think that was the fastest I, I smoked with that song. I do like training to like ACDC, um, 
do host by Romstein is another one of my favorite to smoke too because I'm just like uh, more and get into like if I'm trying to get into more of like a rhythm smoking I'll get into like more of like a like a slower slower music something that's just like boom 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 that way it that way I kind of get into a rhythm and I think that's that's where it helps me kind of just keep that rhythm in my music when I'm listening sometimes it just helps me smoke I could see that I could see that that's why I kind of ask uh, so is there uh, a genre can can you match up genres with like strains basically is there uh, some that you do hit better with that faster like basically ACDC kind of tempo or is there certain strains that just kind of hit better with that slower ball 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 you know what i mean <laughs> i would say it's more of knowing what song to play for the dryness of the weed because mm -hmm. if it's more of a dry weed and it's easy to break if you can look at it and look and know that it's going to break up really that's like another thing is, is knowing by looking at it can you see if it's going to break up good if it's more of a dry weed i like more of the acdc music where i'm like oh it's going to go down fast boom, boom. but if it's more of like a, a slower weed then i know i'm going to have to go more of a slower pace because you don't want you want to keep that flower as hot as you can so that'd be more like i'd probably be more honestly more like a bluegrass or a classical or even more of a a bluesy kind of music for like i think of for my uh, uh wetter damper weeds Some lots of have Zeppelin taste and confused, bud. <laughs> right. There's some of that stuff, man, when I smoke cannabis and some of them tunes where I can actually kind of like take myself to like a sunset and actually kind of see like the sun coming up bright shiny days. I listen listen to that music and shit kind of drift off a little bit, man. Led Zeppelin's one of the ones for me where I kind of picture well, myself outside sometimes when I'm smoking. Um, Led Zeppelin, the, uh, the doors light my fire, um, fire on the mountain, all versions. Because who depends on who 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 which version you like? That's why I said all versions. 
I I prefer all, all versions. Um, let's see. Uh, the animals, the band, the who, like even like the sixties, even some of those give like that's another like even the Listening to some of the Grateful Dead, that'd be another good one to go for more of the, the slower music. If you want to, like, something that's, you know, is going to burn nice and slow, I, that's what I would prefer, something like that, too. I, I listen to a lot of that. I like a lot of blues myself, and good good cannabis music for sure kind of listen to a lot of Gary Clark Jr. like my guitar brother guitar so do you think that at some point the the bong racing thing will be kind of uh, regional and then you know kind of a, a bigger scale to where, you know, you're competing against yourself and your local chapter, then and possibly chapters, you know, competing against each other and a, a little bit bigger scale, the winners well, of, you know what I mean? Take it another tier or two. We're, we're working with things like that this year at, um, at Bonathon because like Bonathon's always been our biggest thing. But uh, there's a little special thing at Bonathon we're going to have this year. And we're, we're doing something like you said, like that. We're having all of the chapters come together and we're going to have like a, an, an outlaw only if you've ever been in, in any of the chapters only race. So that way it's kind of like a, see who, who it is, kind of like, a, like I said, like a regionals, finals kind of thing. And that's where I would like to see it go to even bigger, where we have more conventions, where we go to Vegas, or we go to California, or we go to Michigan, or we go to Boston, or we go somewhere else and, and do some bong racing. Because I know there's bong racers in Michigan. I know there's bong racers in Massachusetts. I know there's bong racers on the east coast that is well, i'm, I'm sure that. that's what i was kind of just hinting to right there that you know either there's a few watching tonight or a few that will watch and be like that's a fucking thing i'm down <laughs> where the fuck do i sign up for that shit so i guess the next question would be if there's somebody in a, a, a state where, where you guys aren't necessarily set up with a chapter, how would somebody in, say, Michigan or something like that uh, get be able to start to uh, build a corresponding chapter, something that they could compete with you guys on, you know, a national scale or be part of a national organization? Um. Contact uh, contact us at outlawbongjags.gmail.com uh, or slingbuzz420 
at gmail.com or any of our social media networks, Sling Buzz on Instagram at Long Drags on dot official on Instagram at longdrags dot official dot Denver on Facebook at Long Drags OK or I believe it's OKC on Facebook as well. Any of those chapters, ask to uh, contact the uh, chapter president or uh, get a hold of the uh, Sling Buzz and they'll be able to uh, lead you on uh, how to help get a chapter made because uh, we're looking to expand. We've just got some things that we've kind of got held back by the world events that we don't always want to talk about. <laughs> uh, no. I know. I've been trying to uh, help uh uh, I guess encourage more and more like-minded people for uh, basically meetups, chapters, and stuff like that. I've kind of talked about uh, Wiener chapters uh, trying to, you know, form themselves to, for hookups and uh, just cultivating purposes. Well, you know, we, today we see so many people trying to. Uh, fucking grow so many of the same strains, hype, 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 everybody fucking wants hype. Uh, so many big, great things get left behind. I'm kind of, kind of hoping with, you know, people kind of encouraging meeting up and starting like cannabis chapters of their own or whatever, that they can fucking uh, not grow as many of the same things, kind of branch out and make a bigger library to where when they meet up monthly or whatever, they can kind of swap and trade and whatever and keep yeah, keep a bigger thing going versus, you know, the few strains that are hype or can they can get at their local dispos or whatever. Like the I don't want the really the, the hypes. I want like the the old the originals. I want some of the new the new stuff though. I like if I, the hype's all right for if if you want to sit there and make sales for a lot of times. But if you want something that you like for like your flavors and you prefer, like I like the old school strains, like your normal lines, your bourbon poisons, your sour diesels, your fucking white rhinos, your all the old whites and stuff. But now you got your purple monkeys. Tangerine circles, or zackles, zickles, zipples, zackles, zickles. You know what I mean? It all runs. It it all is like it's all washed in together now, and it's I like it, but I don't like it because it. It's, I think we're getting. I think we're missing out on a lot of the original stuff. And I think that's the problem. And it's the it's the double-edged sword that happened to a lot of this especially legalization in Colorado, where they legalized hemp. And at the same time they legalized cannabis. And 
the cross the cross seeds genetics they didn't think it was really going to affect the, the seeds and stuff but it's starting to like the the plants harm out or they think they're harming out but it's actually the pollination's all going further than just the 50 miles that everybody first predicted so everything's getting cross cross strain now no pure strains yeah i think that's got a whole lot to do with it i unfortunately think that's where there's two different aspects to the cannabis there's the cannabis industry and i feel that's the people that grow from their hearts and uh more on a smaller scale you know again from the heart with a medical purpose and then there's the medical industry people that don't really consume and it's more of a a paycheck for them and I think that uh, more and more of the folks got involved in kind of try to put together a recipe, basically. Once they found out that that THC number was one of the things that raised the eyebrow, that's one of the things they pushed for. And I think in that pushing, they've lost more of the medical side of things. You know what I mean? I think as we go up with the THC, we're definitely losing a lot of what should be and what is the medicine. It is. But everybody's like, oh, well, I crossed this. Like, what happens to all the Harley Quinn and, and all that that used to be going around in like 2014, 15? You hear that anymore? It's all already, already crossbred, cross genetic. To so many other different things that nobody hardly uses that anymore. And that was one of the first beneficial CBD, hopefully, was for the help with patients. And now they've been, it could be that they've found that these other strains are more beneficial to people by crossbreeding them. But then you're still like I still think you're losing a lot of the potential of the original parent strains. I completely agree. Completely agree. You know, and but what it, it what cost? You know what I mean? Like you say, that may be beneficial for one or two, but is that the greater good? You know what I mean? I don't think so. I think the greater good lies in some of the stuff that lies, you know, a little bit weaker cannabis. I think CB, you know, there's a reason why <laughs> the puzzle was put together the way it was put together. I think once we try to get in there and start manipulating things a little bit, we're fucking, we're fucking it up. You know what I mean? I think the CBD is there to, you know, just like we know it's supposed to work, kind of govern that higher THC level to maybe so some of the fats and lipids can kind of fucking maybe kick in or, you know, some of the turbs can hit you a little bit better. You know, there's, it's, 
way more complex than a fucking data report. It is. It, it's there's so much about the plant that we still have let yet to learn. And just because we have a little data report and that test says that that might have 25 or 30%, that test is not always right. There's a lot of things with the, the test is you gotta be test every single plant and you test one single plant and you test all the different plants. A test is like an average of your plants in that room. Is the way it's supposed to be tested. And that's what, and a lot of these people are trying to get the best part of the bud or the bigger part of the bud. So if you get the best part of the top part of the cola or the all just the top parts of the bud and you take that for your testing, then of course you're going to get the highest part of the highest THC levels. Yeah, it's it's a very inaccurate and unfair system right there. Not to mention that uh, they don't have, people most consumers don't even get to necessarily choose it like they should properly choose it. Be able to just kind of nose the cannabis and you know let the terpene profiles hit them like we used to do. You know, it's a shame that most of the times when you go into these dispos that you know that is what you see. It's just a bunch of confusing numbers for the most part. Yeah, I completely agree. It's just all numbers to anybody anymore. Everybody wants to see those high numbers since they're walking with the dispensary. Like, oh, what's the highest TC? What's the highest terpene profile? So it's now, it used to be TAC. Now, every time I see, I go into a dispensary, everybody's like, oh, what's the terpene profile? Terpene percentage, but terpene's percentage is 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 got one one percent, two percent, four percent, five percent. Now people are trying to get the higher percent of terps instead of the high. Uh, but once you get you start getting more terps, you start losing percents of THC. It's kind of like a flip flop. Is what you're starting to see it. At, at least that's what I've been seeing on the shelves lately. So as a, um, a medical cannabis user that's been uh, in a few different states as far as a medical user and, and a vet, on top of that, do you feel that uh, most medical oils are appropriate for medical use as far as consumption goes? as in appropriate by the amount they're supposed to take, the amount to, or the amount to usage, or where they're supposed to use. Is that, that's, that's the amounts. Because here in Michigan, I guess, uh, you know, we're only allowed uh basically 2.5 of usable cannabis at any one time. 
which can really put some restraints on folks on how they use. But I like in Canada, how they prescribe their medical cannabis uh, is, I think, is more more accurate. You know, they base it on your consumption and how much you consume and then kind of write your plant count accordingly versus, you know, this is the system. This is what you get. It should fit all ailments and all consumption styles. You know what I'm well, saying? Well, I was first when I was a patient in, in Colorado, I had a, I had more of an edible style plant count for at first. Then they start it it becomes who it was the market went down so much that I didn't really need edibles as much or enough because the reason why I needed edibles is because I consume enough flour, the amounts of mean the amount that most people would need to make edibles. I smoke out of bombs, but would equal to most people would put in to make edibles. That's where I try to equal it out to. <laughs> and when I come to Oklahoma, it's more of everybody gets the same thing. But it's I still think it's quite enough. If I want to medicate or I need to medicate. But there's times where I've had to deal where I can't. And when I'm in other states, and that's what sucks is where you're not able to medicate freely where you need to when you're traveling or when you're going to see family or something like that. That is that is the problem where we, we need to be able to have this federally legal. Where it doesn't matter where we go. We still need to be able to medicate, but it needs to be not so federally regulated. It needs to be still, I think, up to the state federally, but let the states decide more how they want their laws in their states. But still vote more on the people. Because I don't think the Fed, I don't want, I don't want the, the feds to get the, their really controlling government of how they regulate this. Because then everybody's going to be smoking Marlboro cannabis cigarettes in the, in the stores. I think that's pretty accurate right there, too, because not only I think um, each level of government kind of looks at things differently, which I don't think necessarily is right as far as, you know, this is good for you. You know, you put forth, you know, a gram amount, like say four grams, it's good for, you know, your, your pain per day, but who's to say, you know, that's correct. And a physician across the board may say different. You may say different. 
you know, how did they actually put a correct number on that? And as you kind of pointed out, it varies from place to place. I wish at minimum, instead of, you know, uh, the federal government kind of stepping in and putting re regulations across the board that at least one state would a lot honor the other state's consumption laws. You know what I mean? If my state says I can, you know, smoke an ounce a day, I should be able to go to Oklahoma and smoke, you know, an ounce a day, basically, you know, if that be a medical state. And it varies from state to state where you can smoke at too. Because like in Colorado, you can't smoke in anywhere in public. So you have to smoke only like in your private residence. In Oklahoma, you can smoke anywhere, not basically not anywhere cigarettes are illegal, but you can medicate more freely. It's uh, it's unequal opportunity of where you can medicate is what we need to really fix here is can we medicate freely? I think the amounts are is not really it's still important, but being able to medicate freely is I believe more important than the amounts right now. I could see that. I could see that. Because again, I guess you don't know when or where an ailment may strike. You know what I mean? And it shouldn't have to be dictated. Yeah, I hope this happens at home so I can consume my cannabis control. Who knows when I'm gonna have a muscle spasm and I'm gonna need to go take a bong hit or who knows when I'm gonna have a muscle spasm and I need to, 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 to take a joint or I'm having an anxiety attack. It, uh, who knows, I just need to, just need to medicate. Very great point. Very good point. So any advice to um, that you could give folks as far as helping vets be able to uh, get more access to legal cannabis or help loosen the way for legal cannabis for vets? There, is, there are um, a couple of... Uh... Cannabis, there's cannabis for veterans, there's uh, seeds for vets, there's uh, when you go to a cannabis convention, there are usually a lot of the seed, uh, not a lot of them, but some of the seed companies do give uh, seed, seeds out for veterans. So it's uh, if you are a veteran, just sometimes you just ask if you have any, you know, 
anything for veterans. Some of them, will, even if you were, you know, I've had people knowing that I'm a veteran and said, hey, here's, here's some seats. I know that there are many veterans out there that haven't had the opportunity to grow. And like Seeds for Vets just helps people with them be able to get to grow with that. And plants are living animals. And just like a, sometimes we they have dogs to help us be be nurtured for vets. Sometimes we need some plants to help us for vets to, to help us out through hard hard times. It's my it's my service it. animal. That's awesome. That's uh, very awesome. Another thing I like to say that cannabis brings is uh, it's it's more about the quality of life. All in all, it brings a better quality of life to people across the board. Cultivation and consumption. I agree. Uh, thank you for having me on tonight. I enjoyed it. Appreciate it. I appreciate you taking the time to come hang out and tell your story, tell people about the bong thong and the bong racing. Hopefully, if they're interested, they'll get a hold of you and, uh, you know, figure out how they can get a part, be a part of it. Um, I don't know how much you've got a chance to take over, take a chance to figure out what goes on here on the channel. But there's a few things that go on the channel here. Uh, basically, three different shows at the moment and that's uh one that you've done already which is the spotlight fucking talking shit with ego uh and then there's the we nerd world we nerd world is uh basically a panel type show that's only open to past guests now that you're a past guest i uh i hope that you keep that zoom link that i sent to you uh, because uh, I hope that you come and participate more often. You know, uh, basically, like I said, it's only open to past guests at this point. There's uh, an ever mixing panel of 636 people possible at any one night. And basically, Monday nights, 2 a.m. to 4.20 is uh, mandatory Weed Nerd Worlds. I'm trying to work on uh, an earlier one, uh, the West Coast Takeover, which usually happens on Wednesdays, and that's uh, 11.30 uh, Eastern Standard Time. And again, no invitation needed. You know, you get bored, you happen to see, pop on the channel, you see it's on, and you, we're talking about something you want, you know, you, you're interested in putting your two cents into or whatnot. Feel free to grab your phone, grab your bong, fucking come hang out, fucking talk with us, man. Sometimes it might be serious cannabis. Sometimes we talk mushrooms. Sometimes we talk mushrooms on mushrooms. Sometimes we take mushrooms and talk conspiracy. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, All right. So it's pretty fun time. You know, again, ever-evolving uh, guests, which kind of makes it very fun as well. The other night, another chance you'll get to uh, catch a weed nerd world is random. 
basically before we started this i told you the time slot is open from 11:30 to 4:20 so basically when we're done here i'll kind of stretch out a little bit go fill my cup with some coffee and i'll come sit back and i'll fire it up again for the we nerd world and walk it all the way down to the 4:20 hour so there's always the possibility of a we nerd world every day but a couple of days a week, there is a structured one. I'd love to have you. I'm sure a lot of people that has watched tonight would love to uh, get you involved. Come hang out. Maybe race you live on air. Uh, you know what I mean? On a bong race uh, would be fun as well. So please keep that in mind. Please keep that Zoom link handy. And uh, come hang out, man. We love seeing new faces, new uh, points of view to the conversations. You know, we love to have new faces, period. The last thing I would like to get for you, uh, from you before you go, it's a silly thing I call the soundbite, which it's basically an old school radio identification. My version of would be, hey, this is Eagle, and I'm on fucking talking shit with Eagle, episode 636. You can say whatever you fuck you want before or after that, as long as that's kind of in there. This at one point will be a commercial for your episode. I am uh, ready anytime you are, Mr. Sling Bud or Sling Buzz. Excuse the cat mouth, my friend. This is Sling Buzz, and I'm on talking with Eagle. I like them bones. Hell yeah. Perfect. Perfect, my friend. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. And again, thank you one last time for coming and hanging out. Uh, time is the most valuable thing we have. And uh, you gave me a good portion of your time tonight. So I can't thank you enough, my friend. Thank you, sir. One last. One last time, you want to throw out there where they can find you uh, in case they want to get a hold of you and say hi, whatever. Sling Buzz on Instagram, on uh, Sling Buzz Outlaw Bong Drags on Facebook, Outlaw Bong Drags on Facebook, Outlaw Bong Drags OKC, Outlaw Bong Drags at gmail.com, Outlaw Bong Drags dot official, Outlaw Bong Drags dot official Denver, Outlaw Bong Drags dot official on Instagram. Any one of those will contact you with any of the outlaw bong drags people. If you also want to get a hold of people with the bongathon, you can find the bongathon on bongathon.official on Instagram as well. Right on. With that being said, that does wind up this episode. Thank you guys very much for tuning on and hanging out. I greatly appreciate your guys' time as well. If you guys are coming to the Weed Nerd World, I hope to see you there. If not, then thank you for your time. Do not forget to do something nice for somebody. Random acts of kindness do save lives. We are out of here. One last thank you, my friend. Goodbye. Have a great night.